Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It is Apple Cup week with a 7.30 kickoff in Pullman. Temperatures expected to be in the probably low 30s, I would guess. But uh, looks right now we're going to avoid the rain and the snow. So uh, that's the good news. But 7.30 start. And what channel is the game on? I, I forgot, you guys. ESPN. Okay, 7.30 start on Big ESPN. So... <laughs> 114th Apple Cup with the overall record. Washington leads the series 73-53. 33. 33. 73. I thought I said 33. I didn't. 73-33 and six ties. Again, 7-30 kickoff in Pullman. But a lot of people think that this is actually going to be a pretty good game and pretty close game. But uh, when you take a look at Washington's, excuse me, Washington State's offense with Cameron Ward, has he been what you thought he was going to be, Scott, or has he been a little bit unperformed this year? I, I think he's performed a little less than I thought he would. Um, you know, he's thrown for almost 2,800 yards, completing 64% of his passes, 21 touchdowns, eight interceptions. But that's with a this is with an offensive coordinator who brought him over from uh, Crud. Where did he um, hold? Um, incarnate Word. Incarnate Word. I kept wanting to say Holy Word. It was Incarnate Word. Um, that he came over for and you know he's playing for the same offensive coordinator and I I I would have expected him to kind of light things up a little bit more but he hasn't done that but he's he's been solid for them he hasn't been the reason they're losing games um, and I I think he's been good there as I thought he would be and when you take a look at their offense Scott they're only averaging 27 points a game 27 points a game in um in in this conference more than like more often than not's not going to get it done and when you take a look at the total offense numbers they rank ninth in the conference in total offense and i think that with what we've been used to over there with this, um with the um air raid with mike leach ninth in the conference isn't what we're used to seeing no, well, yeah, but uh, but a vast majority of those yards that, that that would put them up in the top upper, you know, three, four in the in the conference was because of the passing offense. But they're so much more balanced. Um, they rush for almost thirteen hundred yards. I don't know if they ever approached that under. I don't even know if they went over a thousand yards with Mike Leach as their head coach. So, you know, they're and, and Nakia Watson, the running back there, is the best running back they've had since Jerome Harrison back in. I don't know, about 15 years ago. So, um, you know, he's he's a really good tailback. And I I, I think the Huskies are going to have their work cut out for him if they can if uh, the Cougars can get get going on the ground. Passing offense, they're seventh in the conference. And 
rushing offense. They're ninth in the conference. So we'll have to see how that plays out. But, you know, tell me about some of the weapons that they have on the offensive side of the ball, Chris. Well, first of all, I can't believe Scott didn't give love to Borgie. I mean, that's just that's just sacrilege. I don't understand that. He didn't see him. <clears throat> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah any, anytime I watch the Apple Cup, I never saw him. So there you go. <laughs> um, well, obviously, Ward, I mean, he's uh, Scott talked about Watson. He's clearly their their number one running back right now. He's doing a nice job. Uh, I think Stribling is another guy, a receiver that they rely on pretty heavily. Uh, Farrell is another guy I think is a little bit more of a quick screen kind of short yardage possession guy that that seems to be able to take some things and get some yak out of it. So, you know, they have some weapons and, and obviously Ward is probably the biggest weapon just because he can do some things with his feet. I don't know if you guys agree or not. I think he could be, you know, comparable to a Jaden Delora or, you know, someone like that. Um, poor man's DTR, what have you. I don't think he throws the ball quite as well as those other guys, but he certainly knows how to make plays. And as Scott mentioned earlier, it kind of came as a, as a package deal with the offensive coordinator. So there's clearly a lot of familiarity there. And uh, that's what makes them a little bit dangerous because they're, they're kind of a high ceiling or low high floor, low ceiling type of offense. If that makes sense, it seems like they're, fairly consistent but again since they're only averaging about 27 28 points a game it's not like they've had a lot of real explosive outings so it'll be interesting to see how washington prepares for that when well, jake dickert is um known for as a defensive coach when was the last time they hired a coach that was more of a defensive coach scott uh well i think it was doba right he was the defensive yep. coordinator yeah, yeah, he was yeah, Mike Price's defensive coordinator. Yeah, other than that, you know, it's always been uh, it was it's always been offensive guys going all the way back to Dennis Erickson and um, and and a lot of those guys. They've all been offensive guys. Doba and Dickert, the two. And Chris, it's kind of funny where Washington hired, you know, Jimmy Lake as a defensive coach and they look to hire an offensive coach and change the identity of the program and change the identity of the team. Washington has been known for a number of years of having that high flying offense, yet they hired Jake Dickert, who's a defensive minded coach. So, you know, the it's kind of flipped a little bit. Well, the circumstances were a little unique because they they initially kept Dickert on from Nick Rolovich. So when they fired Rolovich, they wanted to keep some continuity in the midseason. So they wanted to make sure that he stayed aboard to kind of keep things going. And things went so well for them that they decided to keep him on, especially the way they finished last year, absolutely crushing Washington in the Apple Cup, planting the flag, all the stuff that everyone's talked about this week. And so that's really where it comes from. I mean, that it, 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 it came almost out of necessity, really. Yeah, I, I just think that it's going to be a little bit wild over in Pullman. When was the last time we've had an Apple Cup, um, you know, over the past decade or two in Pullman actually played on a Saturday? Has it been a while? It sure seems like it. I want to look back on it. I think it's got it's like 2015 or 16. I can't remember. It was one of those years. It's not as far back as you would think, but it, uh, it's far enough back that it feels a little strange. Yeah, when you take a, take a look at the other side of the ball with Washington's offense against Washington State's defense, I actually think that the defense for uh, Washington State is a little overrated. When you take a look at the total um, uh, 
total defense. Washington ranks ahead of Washington State right now, where Washington is the third-ranked defense in the conference. Washington State is the fourth-ranked defense in the in, in the conference. And I know people have been complaining about Washington's defense all year, but it's better than Washington State's right now. Yeah, and um, I've done the same thing. I did some research on it, and I was I was very surprised uh, when I saw some of that. Now, Washington State has given up some yards in, in some of their losses they they're seven and four and in several of their losses they give up a lot of yards to teams but then in their wins they haven't given up a lot and so i think it just a lot of it comes down to um you know can they are they how are they getting their stops what are they doing to make it so hard on teams and they their their run defense isn't great but they get after you up front a little bit and um, what's really going to be interesting, and Chris, I saw that you pointed this out in your predictions yesterday, um, that you you said that Washington State is not usually able to get home with just four pass rushers on a typical basis. Usually they're sending blitzers, either linebackers or safeties, even a even a cornerback here and there. And and like you said in your prediction, if if that's what they're going to have to do to get after Michael Penix, they're going to pay for it. Well, I think if you go back and look, guys, if you go back and look at how their sacks are distributed over the course of the season, you'll notice that there's about as many sacks from non front four players as there are from their front. So it, it is interesting how they've kind of brought some. Now, if you know, again, Jake Dickert being a defensive coach, they're going to try to get exotic and they're tr- going to try to run some things at them and, and they may have a little bit of success. But I think part of the reason why Washington should have some success against that kind of uh, pressuring defense is not only Penix being smart and quick with the ball out of his out out of the out of his hand, but also because as we've as we've talked about and spotlighted it all over the course of the season, whether it's been Wayne Talapapa or Cameron Davis, both of those guys have been so, so good in pass protection in identifying and eliminating that extra guy. So I think those two things combined give Washington a legitimate chance to be successful when Washington State tries to gamble. And when you talk about the defensive numbers where Washington having the overall better total defense, Washington State leads the conference in fewest points per game where they're only allowing 19.8 points a game. Washington is fourth giving up 25.7 points a game. But at the end of the day, I take a look at this and you take a look at Washington State's strength, which is their defense, and Washington's strength, which is their offense. I just think that Washington's offense is that much better than Washington State's defense. Well, you know, the the one thing is, if you remember when Washington was doing really, really well under Pete Kwiatkowski and, and Jimmy Lake, is they would give up a lot of yards between the 20s. But once it got into the red zone, Washington's red zone defense was always one of the better ones, not only in the conference, but in the entire country. And that's kind of what Washington State has done. They really make things tough when you get into the red zone. And, and that's obvious by allowing only 19 points a game. But, uh, Kim, I, I agree with you that um, I think Washington's going to be able to get a, a big player here or there and probably exceed that amount. So how much farther above 19 points per game uh, Washington can get, I think that's where, where, where we'll see whether Washington can win this game or not. And, Chris, I think one of the big things, a lot of um, attention going to Michael Penix and the way he's being able to throw the ball. But right now you take a look at that Washington offensive line. It's big. It's experienced, and the chemistry's come together with Jackson Kirkland back there. 
I think the Washington offensive line right now may be the strength of this team. They're playing at an elite level. Well, they're certainly playing with a lot of confidence. And and every time you can keep your quarterback upright and you're not giving up sacks, that just adds to the confidence. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I would just add that I don't I don't consider Washington State's defense to be overrated, guys. You you might. Um, I don't. But I think what I see in this game, it just so happens to be that I think Washington's matchup offensively is just a better matchup for them right now and how they're executing and the level of confidence and momentum they have with their offense compared to what Washington State's defense is doing right now. Because anytime you have the top scoring defense in the conference, guys, to me, that's not overrated. Now, you may look at that number and go, okay, well, how is Washington going to be able to counteract that? Well, I think we've just uh, named a few reasons why we think Washington could be successful, especially if Washington State either sits back and doesn't bring pressure and just tries to goad Penix into making a mistake, which he typically doesn't do, or they try to bring pressure on him like they've tried to do over the course of the year, and then he'll find ways to try to find the open receiver there, uh, especially given how the running backs have been able to pass protect. So I, I just see this more as a really good matchup for Washington's offense other than the fact that Washington State's defense is just good, because I do think they have a good defense. And, Scott, when I was on the sidelines for the Oregon game, I was standing in the first quarter next to Nigel Burton and former Oregon defensive coordinator Nick Aliotti, and Washington was able to run that ball on that first series, and they both looked at me and said, if Washington is able to run the ball, this is going to be a long day for Oregon on the defensive side of the ball. But I think that's something where Washington has actually picked up in the last month is their ability to run the ball. And if they're able to run the ball against that defense – Watch out. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what if, if Washington's able to run the ball and, and Washington's, you know, bats are still averaging about five yards of carry every time they carry the ball. They just don't get that many carries. But uh, and which is really weird because Ryan Grubb, being a former offensive line coach, I thought he'd really get after it in the running game. But he he really likes that passing game. And so um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Wayne Telepapa, Cameron Davis, possibly Richard Newton, um, Will Nixon, we don't know how much he'll be involved, but. If, you, if Washington can get those guys involved and, and get those guys running downhill, I think, like you just said, Kim, it was going to be a long day for Oregon. I think it'll be a long day for Washington State if Washington can make some hay in that in, on the ground. Hey, Chris, you know, the uh, the big wide receiver for Washington, Romo Dunsey, um, he's having a great year. And when we take a look at the um, Colorado game, it looked like maybe they were trying to take Romo Dunsey away, which opened everything up from Jalen McMillan. Would you expect Washington State, where would you expect Washington State to focus on to try to take away from Washington right now? Well, I think the big question is whether or not they're going to try to bring pressure and bring extra bodies in the box to try to, you know, force Penix into making some errant throws, or if they're going to try to go like cover eight and maybe try to zone him and make a mistake that way. I, I don't know if you can really take one guy out, because even, like you said, even if they, even if Colorado did, Try to take Roma Dunsey out of the game. You've got you've McMillan, you've got Polk, you've got Dodge Davis, you've got Josh Jackson. Now you've got Junior Alexander coming through. You've got Denzel Boston that got playing time. You've got a number of guys that can step up and pick up the slack. And even Odunze said, yeah, you know, they may have tried to, to do some things and, and I didn't get as many targets as I would have, but I'm going to take a 54-7 win or whatever it was against Colorado. I'm going to take that every day of the week. It's not about me and my individual 
statistics. It's about getting the team win and 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 playing to the best of our capabilities. So even if Washington State does try to double him up or bracket him or or do something specific schematically to take him out. Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, all those guys have shown more than enough skill to be able to not only pick up the slack, but also excel and make big plays on their own. And Scott, when you take a look at last week's game against Colorado, they've dropped an eight all day long and during Washington to throw, which didn't really seem to impact them that much, even though Washington ran for big yardage. But um, if you're Washington State, are you dropping eight as much as Colorado did? Yes, I am until Washington can prove that they can run on me, and then I'm probably bringing up more guys into the box. That's just the way it's got to be for Washington State because Washington can throw way, like Chris said, they can throw wave after wave after wave of receivers at you. And and then to top it off, you got Westover and, and Devin Culp who can catch the ball. You got the running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield. So um, Washington presents a lot of problems for defenses, and I think they're going to drop eight and hope that they can make – uh, you know, that Washington doesn't do much on the ground um, on them. Because if they do, then that's going to open up a ton of things for Washington's offense. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, and Chris, you know, what what, what I saw last year out of uh, DeBoer and Grubb at Fresno State, it sure looked like they want to use the running backs or they did use their running backs, um, backs quite a bit more and quite a bit differently at Fresno State. And it just seems like we're just getting, you know, maybe the tip of the iceberg of how they really want to use these running backs, especially catching the ball out of the backfield. I think there's some, yeah, there's some merit to that. I mean, we saw, we've seen some of it with Cameron Davis. We've seen some of it with Talapapa. We've seen some of it even with Will Nixon. Uh, to a certain extent, um, you know, there's no doubt they're completely Lee Marks is completely revamping that running backs room. I mean, you get three transfer guys in. They may even get another transfer guy in this next year. They've already got Tybo Rogers committed. So they, they're trying to remake that that room in the way that he wanted to. And it clearly was not a, a room that he felt comfortable with going into spring, for instance. So, yeah, we're, we're still seeing that running back room kind of in process, trying to figure that stuff all out. But credit to Talapapa, credit to Cameron Davis, credit to Richard Newton, even credit to guys like Sam Adams coming through and, and even JB on Sunday getting a carry against Colorado. Those guys are still uh, being productive, and I agree 100% with Scott. If, they, if Washington State does drop eight, they, Washington has to make them pay for a light box. They, they absolutely, that's, that's a minimum because you have to be able to get those guys to suck up 
And then once those linebackers are coming up and helping in the box, that's when you can start making, making them pay a little bit more, either over the top or down the seams. And one of the things by uh, it forcing Washington to run the football game, they may be trying to shorten the game as well by uh, keeping the ball on the ground where the game seems to go much quicker. But Scott, one of the things that I'm still a little baffled on, Richard Newton, we're seeing that Talapapa and uh, Cam Davis get most of the carries, and it seems like Sam Adams is even getting more time than Richard Newton. I know he's been hurt quite a bit, but have you, you know, what's your take on that? Um, my take was that, uh, Richard Newton for a while there was a little nicked up. He wasn't as hurt as he was before, but he wasn't getting the reps in practice that made the coaches feel comfortable with him. And then when he did come back, the coaches just felt really comfortable with the rotation they were using with Davis and Calapapa and sprinkling in uh, Sam Adams here and there. And Richard Newton has caught the ball pretty well out of the backfield from what I've seen, but he was not really known for that. If you were going to say anything about him, that was his weakness was catching the ball out of the backfield. So I think they did. And Sam Adams, if if you said anything about him, it was, that was probably his strength was catching the ball out of the backfield. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why you haven't seen as much of Richard Newton. I know that uh, he got, I don't know how many carries I, I have to go back and look, but how many carries he got last weekend um, against Colorado, but he looked good running the ball when he did. And he's really good at that wildcat too. So it'll be real interesting to see if they're able to incorporate him a little bit more because he's, he just punishes tacklers. But that's the problem is I don't know if his body is built to take the punishment that he wants to dish out to everybody else. Yeah. It seems like his body may, uh, his heart may be uh, stronger than his body. Cause I mean, he doesn't shy away from contact at all, but you know, Chris, the Sam Adams, I think, has shown some flashes this year, too. He hasn't got a lot of opportunities, but he seems to have made the most of when he does. Yes, and 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 he will get more and more carries. I guarantee you he's going to he's he's on the he's on the cusp of being kind of one of those breakout guys that we could see being a real big star in 2023, for instance. So I, I don't think there's any question about that. I don't think there's any question that he's shown his athleticism. And I think when Lee Marks talks about that Marshall Falk style of all-around back that is as good in the flats and out of the backfield as he is in the backfield, I think Sam Adams is one of those guys that can fit that mold. And um, he's doing everything right right now. So I think I think one of the reasons why, if the way I'm reading it, is that he's getting a few more carries is because Newton's been a little bit more banged up. In practice, Adams is getting more turns and getting more reps. And I think that just creates more trust with Lee Marks. That creates a better bond. And I think that just gives a guy like Adams just that slight edge over a, over a veteran guy like Richard Newton. And we could t- we could talk about offense and defense, but I think one of the keys um, that may be getting overlooked a bit is coaching. When you take a look at what Kalen DeBoer has been able to do, he's been through an undefeated season. He's been through championship races. He knows how to manage his team trying to get to that point. He's been 11-0 several times back at uh, South Dakota State. So when we get in late to the season, I think he's got a pretty good idea on how to handle that and keep guys motivated. Not that they need a lot of motivation after the debacle last year at Husky Stadium, but I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I, I thought the coaching skill was obvious against Oregon. We'll see if it's as obvious against first-year coach Jake Dickert over at Washington State. Well, I, I don't know. This is his second year, but, yeah, I I, I get what you're saying, Kim. Um, he's got a more experienced staff and maybe from a coaching standpoint, better experienced staff 
than uh, than what uh, Lanning has down at um, uh, down at Oregon. So you know, I we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, Dickert seems like a pretty doggone good um, CEO of a program, and um, I like him a lot. I mean, if he was coaching for Washington, I think Husky fans would like him a lot. Now, maybe not as a head coach, but I think they'd like him as an assistant and, and, you know, for the Huskies and, and possibly a heir apparent uh, down the road. So, um, you know, Washington did a good job with, with Kalen DeBoer. He's brought in a very experienced and very good staff as well. Good coaches, good, good, uh, um, you know, good all the way around for Washington. And, and I think the fact that, like you said, Kim, Kalen DeBoer has been through some, some wars, you know, and, and in, in postseason play, and he, he doesn't seem to crumble under the pressure like we've seen uh some younger coaches do and i mean dan lanning for all for for all of the things that he did he's done pretty well down there it was obvious in that husky game like you said kim it was obvious in that husky game he didn't he didn't know what to do he didn't have an idea of what needed to be done whereas kalen DeBoer, i don't think i would i don't think he would have hesitated to make some of the calls that needed to be made then and, and dan lanning just hasn't been there before but i think dan lanning will learn from those things too Interesting game for sure this afternoon. Looking forward to it. And again, 7.30 kickoff in Pullman on Big ESPN. Scott, not a lot going on. I think the only thing with recruiting-wise that's going on is Lincoln Keenholz, Keenholz, excuse me, uh, visiting Ohio State. Not much to that until we see what happens when he's done with his visit. Anything else in recruiting to update at all? Uh, no, I mean re- – Start of the mid-year period is the 21st of December. So there's, uh, I think, three weekends between now and then. I could be wrong on the exact dates, but uh, there's at least two big recruiting weekends, and Washington's going to have a lot of kids in over that time. Um, unofficial visitors, visitors who, um, I, when I say a lot, I don't mean like 20, like they had that one weekend, but it's gonna, they're, they're going to bring some guys in, and we're going to see how this class rounds out, and then there's always the possibility they can bring some guys in during January if they, if they got, if they find some guys they like. So um, I expect the Huskies, you know, like we've been talking about several times, Kim, I expect the Huskies to be very active in the portal. Um, the, the 5th of December is when kids can put their names officially in the portal and start signing with other schools. And, and, um, and I think Washington's going to be a, a big player at that in, in, in that time frame. So it'll be interesting to watch how kind of things develop over that time. Would you would your gut say that we'll see some um, guys from Washington enter the portal after the fifth and before the last game of the season, or do you think it's going to be until after the end of the season? You mean after the bowl game? Yeah. Um, no, I think you'll see guys enter their name. Maybe they'll play. Maybe they'll be around. But I, I think I think some of them will know that hey, I'm not getting any time. Like I can think of several players who just don't seem to be in the mix at all. And there's no reason for them to stick around and uh, for a bowl game, but um, they might stick around and still continue to work out and do what they do because they've got finals. They have to finish their their la- their quarter, their fall quarter, and before they can transfer anyway. So we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. But yeah, I could see it happening. But for the most part, I think most guys are going to enter um, are going to enter the portal after after the bowl game. But I think you could see a handful, five, six, something like that. Also, just one quick note on the portal. Most guys know where they're going to go when they enter the portal. If they don't know where they're going to go, they have a couple of options, I'm sure. Um, Only the foolish enter the portal without having an idea of where they're going to land. And we've seen a lot of that in the past couple of years. But, um, hey, Chris, uh, 
Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, big win for the Washington basketball team. Another big win for them on Wednesday night, winning the John Wooden uh, Legacy Classic. But uh, they definitely have grown, especially from the first game on Wednesday to the game on Thursday. I thought that there was a big improvement. They learned a lot. And, uh, it, that, was a, that was a really good win against a very good St. Mary's team. Yeah, I think we're starting to see we're starting to see the meld again of Mike Hopkins coaching philosophy with proper recruiting, getting the right length, the right size, the kind of rim protectors he needs to not just run the zone that he wants to run, but just embody that really gritty, hard-nosed, tough mentality that Washington wants to play with under him. Um I remember on Wednesday night, he talked about winning a rock fight over Fresno State, and it wasn't pretty. But at the same token, I think what Washington fans have found over the years under Mike Hopkins is most of the times they don't win pretty, but they win. And when they're winning and they and they feel good about themselves and they've got momentum and confidence, that's when that's that thing can start to build on itself. And to be able to, to win the Wooden Legacy Championship for the second time in school history, I think 2014 was the other time they won it. But to be able to do that and to do it without Noah Williams, for instance, um, to be able to do it where Keon Menefield was less of a factor in the championship game than Corin Johnson, which I don't think any of us would have necessarily expected, um, for them to do it in an overtime scenario when Frank Kepning had already fouled out with like two and a half minutes before, uh, and Braxton Mia showed up and got some key foul shots, got a really key block down the stretch. Um, these guys just made some plays and just toughed it out, and they they found a way to win, and, and some will say to win ugly, but beating a St. Mary's team that was 6-0 and going into that game that was considered probably the uh, challenger in the whack to Gonzaga, and that's a really, really good basketball team, and Washington just flustered them. They just they made them play at Washington's tempo and they did everything they could to disrupt them and to get them off their game. And credit to Mike Hopkins, credit to that coaching staff and, and especially credit to the players for getting that job done. Chris, when I was watching when they they played a little bit of man, but when they went to zone, that was just a perfect example of making a really good team really uncomfortable and St. Mary's was really uncomfortable against that zone and you can practice against that zone but with the length that Washington has with Kepnang and Mia back there and you know I know a lot of people you know try to want to make a PJ Fuller you know the the punching bag or pinata that some need to have but PJ Fuller at the top of the zone is an elite defender and I keep on saying when they get Noah Williams back, if they can get this chemistry down with what they have now and then you add Noah Williams to the mix. Um, I don't know if this makes sense, Chris, you know, it may not to some other guys, but if you're a Seattle Kraken hockey fan, um, Brandon Tanev just always seems to be in the middle of the stuff, always irritating people, always making stuff happen. That's what Noah Williams is going to be. He just is one of those guys. He's the instigator. Um, he gets things going. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what this team can do uh, with Noah Williams, because I think that when you take a look and you talk about floor and ceiling, I think Washington's going to get a lot better. Their ceiling is a lot higher than what you've seen the past couple of nights. So it, it's going to be interesting to follow. So Well, they yeah, they, they had 23 turnovers in the championship game, Kim, which is absolutely unacceptable. They know it. Hopkins knows it. He mentioned it a few times in the postgame. You know, they've got a lot of things to clean up and and just even just to even run an effective offense, something 
with their motion and and being able to get guys in one-on-one situations. But they got to get Keon Brooks in a situation where he's really enjoying his basketball again. I think he's starting to get there. You can tell sometimes there's some frustrations, but for him hitting that key turnaround bucket to get them up three or five or whatever it was late in the game was a, was a real dagger in that game for St. Mary's. And and for him, he needs to be the key scorer for them going forward uh, with with guys like Menifield and, yeah. and, and others supplementing that scoring. But yeah, I mean, if if Noel Williams can get back to what he was two years ago as opposed to last year, they will have a special unit and they have they will have a defense that's capable of creating a lot of transition, which is something that Hopkins has definitely yep. talked about. And it's something that's a little underrated. I know fans <laughs> don't necessarily consider that offense, but in the way Mike Hopkins looks at it, as long as your defense is consistent, the offense can sometimes come and go. Because shooting, look at St. Mary's yep. uh, on Thanksgiving. The shooting just wasn't there the way it was against Vanderbilt when they beat Vanderbilt by 10 in their right. semifinal game. So well, the it's, just, it's just one of those things you have to, you, you just, as long as you have consistent defense, the rest of it, a lot of times can take care of itself. It's all about possessions. And even though Washington had 23 turnovers, where are they going to get those possessions? And they were, they were able to get those extra possessions uh, against St. Mary's. They were able to get them with plus eight on the rebounding uh, uh, card. And that's against one of the best rebounding teams in the country. So that plus eight on the rebounding end, kind of made up for the turnovers and got them some extra possessions. But if they can continue to rebound like that, I don't expect them to have 23 turnovers every game. So I think there's a lot of upside. So uh, Seattle U, uh, I don't know what the game time start, but they play Seattle U on on uh, on Monday night. I think they've got a Thursday night game and early weather reports say we may get some snow on Wednesday. So it should be another interesting week here in Seattle. So Scott Eklund, wrap it up. Uh, yeah, big game this weekend. Um, four and eight last year, chance to go 10 and two. I don't think anybody saw that as a realistic option. I think most people thought eight and four, seven and five, somewhere in that range. So for Washington to have a chance to win 10 games during the regular season, possibly an 11th game. I mean, I, I don't know how many times Washington has gone 11 and won 11 games in a season, but it, it, it's very rare if it, if it's ever happened before, other than the, the national title game. So you know, Washington has has a chance to do some some pretty special things with the and and they've got one of the most special quarterbacks that's ever played at this program and Michael Penix. So would really like to see him go out and win. I think they've got a great chance to go out and win. This is going to be a tough game. I think there's going to be some emotional stuff happening during the game. Um, I think you're going to see some weird, wacky things happen. But uh, I think in the end, Washington comes out with the win and, and comes back here 10 and two. Chris Fetters, wrap it up. Yeah, I echo a lot of the same thoughts that, that Scott had there. Um, it's been an interesting Thanksgiving and, and uh, running into the weekend for me. I'm actually recording this in my car uh, with the power out. <laughs> so I, we'll see if I make it to the Apple Cup and, and, and able to, re, to to broadcast on this thing and, and uh, talk about it and uh, do the stories and stuff in the middle because uh, without power could be very very interesting but that's what we get in the northwest sometimes when we start getting into the winter months and uh it's definitely football weather out here and uh can't wait to see what washington could do i mean i'm telling you guys and, and we i think we've talked about this a couple times uh earlier would would anybody have thought even in their best case expectations thought kaylin DeBoer could get to 10 wins in the regular season I just never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. And it's not because I didn't think he was a quality coach. I just thought that 
you know, I really pay heed to what Chris Peterson says about culture building. And sometimes that takes like a year and a half, almost two years to really get that stuff set in stone and get it to the point where you can really start building from there. But for him to be able to do it in less than a year has been utterly remarkable to me. And my hat's off to all those guys in that program, not just the coaches, but guys like Ron McKeefree, guys like Justin Glenn, guys like Courtney Morgan, uh, all those guys for what they've been able to do to get this thing turned around so quickly. The uh, the future bodes well uh, for Washington. And even though I do think Washington's going to win today, um, even if they don't, I mean, the future still looks incredibly bright for Washington right now. Yeah. And then in addition, we talked about it quite a bit on our podcast earlier this week, the extension signed by Kalen DeBoer. So it looks like he is here for the long haul. Uh, looking forward to tonight's game, even though it's going to be cold down on the field. But just taking a look ahead, Washington plays Seattle U um, on Thursday, excuse me, on Monday. And that's a seven o'clock tip off. And then Thursday night, they are in, and this is kind of a weird deal. They're at Oregon State. Uh, that be uh, the December 1st on Thursday against Oregon State. And then again on Sunday, next Sunday, they play Colorado at uh, Heck Eds. And that's a 12 o'clock tip off. So that's kind of an unusual one as well. So uh, just a reminder, we're running our biggest promo of the year right now. We'll run that through Monday. And that's 75% off on your annual subscription. We run that once a year. So you won't be seeing that for a while. And with everything going on with the basketball team and Washington State this weekend and then, uh, you know, the um, uh, bowl game situation as well as signing day coming up. No better time to subscribe than right now. And, uh, you know, just keep it tuned here right at dogman.com and we'll get you all the updates you will ever need. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grinnells along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.